Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the Cloud Foundry Summit out here in sunny Santa Clara, California. We are... We're kind of doing planes, trains, and automobiles. We're outside the venue. Uh, We had a nice space inside the venue, but it was really loud. So now we're outside right across from the new Levi's 49er Stadium. Um, First show of the day. We're going to do a whole bunch from Cloud Foundry Summit. Uh, Aaron, how was the trip? Good, good, good. Yeah, got in late last night. And yeah, this doesn't suck for podcasting. I mean, I don't know. They can probably hear the planes and the birds and everything in the background, but it's a nice day. It is yeah. a nice day. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to kick off this one. Uh, we've got two guests today. So we're, uh, we're doing the Cloudcast, and we're doing a partial takeover of uh, Speaking in Tech. So uh, our guest today, uh, <laughs> Ed Sidepatch from uh, Speaking in Tech and CenturyLink. Yes. And, uh, and Richard Siroder, uh, CTO of CenturyLink. Welcome. That's close, VP of Product. Oh, okay. I will take the promotion. Oh. All right. So there you go. Sorry. That's yeah. new. It's news. We like to break news. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, that, that was me not updating the uh, show notes. Okay. Sorry about that. Well done. So, no, no, no offense to Jared. You're not here. Somebody else takes your title. And, uh, pass the title. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm VP of product now. Richard, uh, Richard's now uh, CTO. Breaking news all over the place. That's right. Yeah. yeah, breaking news. Everyone just moved up one. That's right. <laughs> so you guys you guys got some news that was out either late last week or this week. It's hard when, when you get into trade show season as to what day the announcements come out. But you guys have some, uh, some very new Cloud Foundry news coming out. What's going on? Right, you can start. We can talk about it, but Pivotal CF support in CenturyLink Cloud, making sure that customers can use Pivotal CF with CenturyLink Cloud as a first-class host. We're also doing some things with AppFog V2, our, our hosted platform as a service for public consumers. So, you know, just reflecting real life. Sometimes you need private, sometimes you need public, and having those both modalities can make it a little more fun. Yeah, and I think also re-emphasizing our engagement involvement with, with Cloud Foundry in general. I mean, a lot of people... Right. Don't realize this, but uh, Jared Ray, uh, who's co-founder and CTO of Tier 3, uh, had been involved with uh, Cloud Foundry in general for quite a while. So building the .NET extensions uh, and building out the Iron Foundry service is kind of where it started. And we continue to be heavily involved in, in Cloud Foundry as a product. Right. Yeah, and so I haven't followed the Iron Foundry stuff as as closely as some of the other stuff. Is that still kicking, and yeah. what's the status of that? I mean, that? I'll let Richard chime in here, but it's the the .NET stuff is interesting. I mean, Windows, if you if you look at it from a, I would say an isolation um, type of platform where you can have good isolation running for for a PaaS to live happily or a multi-tenant PaaS, it hasn't been so great. So um, the team that's been there has, uh, there's a gentleman named Chris Sterling who's been working on it for quite a while. Um, and we've basically been working to build it as best we can, but now we're also getting more involved with um, the folks from Microsoft to make sure that that uh, Windows is a great place to run Cloud Foundry as a multi-tenant PaaS. Right. I mean, I think we're in the Cloud Foundry incubator now with Iron Foundry, so we've been working closely with Pivotal for that. And, you know, real life involves Linux and Windows. And so yep. we can, you know, you need to be able to run both for, I know, for Pivotal season important, Cloud Foundry as a whole. It's that, you know, I've got apps and different things. And if the whole point of polyglot multi-language PaaS is I got to treat .NET apps as first-class citizens. So definitely got to be alive and kicking. Microsoft's doing their own things with this nano server thing with containers, yeah. which might make it easier to do this moving forward than sometimes the Frankenstein containerization you have to put on Windows to make it work. But, yeah, ongoing. It's a, I think it's an important thing to do. Yeah, so, so quick kind of generalized question. Um, it, and it seems to me where I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on all of this. Cloud Foundry, 
in general just seems much more enterprise focused. The you know the keynotes were enterprise, 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 enterprise. A lot of customer success stories here. Um, but uh, we were actually talking about it this morning, uh, Brian and I. Of it almost seems like Cloud Foundry is more, much more enterprise focused and not nearly as like Silicon Valley sexy. Uh, like the like Docker is and some of these others and and so like compare and contrast a little bit for me real quickly the you know containers in general versus just Cloud Foundry right. platform yeah I mean I've got to talk tomorrow on kind of the enterprise transition to PaaS and I was just doing some quick research and the four five one research group good outfit they do some some yep. good stuff and showing that. What's the number I'm going to use tomorrow? 40% of companies are in the virtualization phase. Like most companies aren't even remotely (laughs) at this point of being able to, they're just just going, I went from physical to virtual, you know, high five. That's awesome. So that the thought that containerization is completely mainstream is beyond ridiculous, right? It's awesome tech and tech companies are using it to deliver their services, but it's not main street. It's not a cloud foundry that says, look, even containers by themselves don't solve the problem. Containers, who cares? I want orchestration of containers. I want high availability. I want to deploy. The key is the, the things around it. So I think cloud foundry sees that with how do you make sure that becomes a first class citizen within the CF ecosystem, but it's more than just offering Mesos and, and Docker and things like that. You've got to build up more around it and cloud foundries, I think got a good position for that. Yeah. I would say that uh, pivotal has done a good job of, nurturing a a software platform that really is going to allow enterprises to kind of move next step forward. I think the reason why we see a lot of buzz around Docker and containers is because it's the jump to PaaS is a pretty big jump for enterprises. Right. And there's two components to that. First is enterprises feeling like there's a good, healthy ecosystem around it that's going to help back it up and, and create the ecosystem and the piece parts necessary that are much more beyond just, okay, I have runtimes. I have elastic runtimes, right? Um, the second thing is that they've got a lot of older legacy stuff. And I think the reason why Docker, again, is very popular is because it doesn't force enterprises to make that complete transition um, over to you know something like a, a, a pass, right? They get basically can say, okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll bottle up the stuff that I have right now, and and make it a bit more um, portable and mobile, and you know have a better lifecycle management. But I won't necessarily have to replatform my application entirely. Um, so I think that's why we see a lot of buzz around that. And I, you know, just there have been a lot of customers who have asked us about about Docker and all these different types of technologies. But going back to Richard's point, it's like you're not even past the virtualization space, but there are pockets of people deploying on containers and pads inside of these right. enterprises. They're trying to figure out where to take the enterprise. Um, it's to, well incubated. Yeah, like I, mean, sure. I don't think we talked to it. I mean, it's every RFP I think we see now asks about what are you doing with Docker, which is silly because yeah. they can't use it either. But. No, they, they, they removed the OpenStack question right. and now replace yeah. it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fine. I think it's Control, fine, yeah. replace. Yeah. I don't think we do a briefing where it doesn't come up, so you need to be able to explain the relevance of it. But, I mean, PaaS is the right. most disruptive of the cloud modalities, no, yeah. no doubt yeah. about it. I mean, you got you guys have been doing a lot of very very cool stuff. I mean, you've been you've been acquiring stuff. It was it was at Fog. You've got you know the the Panamax stuff that uh, that comes up and get a newsletter every week. That's yeah, some right. new cool thing with that. Uh, you guys are making acquisitions. Like, how's the how's the transition? Because like, if if you went to most enterprises and you said like, do you get the Cloud Foundry idea? It's like write new apps, just throw it at the platform, they run. People would kind of go, yeah, I kind of get it. And mm-hmm. if you went, does anybody here in your organization have any idea how you'd run that? It's like, sure. ah, I don't have a clue. So yeah. you guys hosting that for people, running that for people, like 
that's got to be a big sort of draw for them to go, cool, I can kind of get there without having to know all the skills I can go after maybe in applications. I mean, do you see that people kind of going like, I need help? splitting up how to do new stuff and old stuff or is that is there that is too, I think the heart in the sky. is that too pie in the it sky it just laughs it is it's just the hosting part doesn't seem to be the, it's the organizational change stuff yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, I don't need a release manager anymore yeah. I don't need you know it, it's all about velocity of, of the app I don't need configuration management people I don't need all of this stuff so if I want to actually take app as a first class citizen it's a completely different way of thinking whether it's on premises or hosted so right. it's extremely disruptive yeah. I, I, I was laughing because I actually had a customer um that's a really large customer, and they said, hey, we want to hear about what you're doing with Docker. So we had Lucas kind of doing a lot of the innovation he's doing kind of in in an isolated kind of lab. Like, he has a lot of freedom to play. So he pushes out these really neat and interesting things, and it was just funny because the the customer goes, hey, so can you guys give us a demo on on Panamax and Docker? Sure. So we give the demo and everything. So they're like, so... Like what? What managed services are you? Do you guys provide around? Like, can you help us? Adapt? We're like, no, it's 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 on GitHub. It's open source. It's yeah. self, like self <laughs> so, service, right? Know, so, so there is this kind of. I think that's where we have a lot of opportunity to play to to have value. But if you look at it, at all of these companies out there, first we are so occupied with building Cloud Foundry. We are so occupied with building things around Docker. Like the people who are experts in this to help people get started are busy building. So it's, I think it's a challenge for all of us as vendors to be able to provide people an on-ramp to get onto this stuff. So we're trying to focus our time on things like automation and, and making it easy to use so that pe- these people can do it themselves. Because the old school way of doing managed services is it's, it's great, but it's going to be a long while before we have extra resources just to be like, hey, Richard, can you go help, you know, um, Boeing or some company, like, change HR and org structure and go to Agile and adopt PaaS? That, that stuff takes a long time. Sure. Yeah. Some, of, I mean, some of our biggest customers, one of them just started up and pays us to build virtual machines for them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You can do it yourself. It's awesome. Like, yeah. you can click it. Here's don't don't pay me to do that. So, I mean, you're still hitting. But at the same time, that company is doing Docker stuff. Right. So, yeah. most of these companies are just too brained right now. And it's fine. That's awesome. They're trying to incubate some things. But their company culture and their yeah. yeah, they're just not set up that way. Well, and and how much of it, too, is kind of to combine that thread a little bit of the enterprise is just willing to pay to get shit done. <laughs> it's you know, if you if you go to the enterprise, here's our GitHub account. They're like, they're, a lot of them today are like, eh, yeah. right? There's, there's it, no .exe there it's, to click it's, on. It's, no. it's hard, but, but... How do I do next, next, next? Money can't finish. buy love, right. you know? <laughs> that's, that's an unfortunate yeah, exactly. statement, but, like, we can't... You can't pay us to change... I don't know. They, maybe they fire everybody. Well, I mean, a large company ends up focusing on efficiency processes, not on customer experience. And until you decide to pivot that way and say, I don't care if I'm a little more inefficient, if it means I deliver awesome experiences or I'm letting my app teams push out mobile apps when they want to and make updates and screw it if we're using three different backends as a service, like who cares? That's the shift you have to make at some point. Otherwise, you're focused on centralization, standardization. You can never hit that or even pay us to do it. You're just yeah, not going to have for, the cool stuff. For even the guys that, that, that pay you to spin up VMs, right? what we think might be a simple thing, I mean, do, do right. they then come back and sort of use your efficiency, how fast you get stuff done as a, as a lighthouse to go back in their organizations and say this is what it should look like? Or do they just go keep throwing stuff at what goes fast and don't worry about the change. Like, do you guys become the change agent sort of by default? We would love to. Yeah. 
I mean, I, where possible. I think it's one of those where yeah. I don't want to be pigeonholed as the enterprise cloud provider who does big, heavy enter- – no, yeah. I, I want that, that dev who needs a freaking machine in yeah. less than six weeks to come to me and get one. Don't yeah. go through your crazy process. So once you're in the door with that, I think the idea is how do you continue to socialize why PaaS is awesome we, or we why tr- automation is awesome? Yeah, we try, but I think 90% of the people who pay us for managed services turn us into their own shitty IT department. <laughs> that's just the reality. Like, because they're, they're, what happens the is they, they come to us and they say, like, okay, well, we want to outsource these things to you. By the way, all the crappy stuff we, we do internally, we, we want you to do that for us, and we want you to do it the way that we did it. So like Richard was saying, like, we try to kind of move the needle, but we also – like we're stuck in this – this weird world, and I think a lot of the outsourcers um, are are kind of stuck there too. Is that cu- customers look at the cloud and they have this expectation that you're going to help if they give you this work to do, that it's going to turn their world inside like cloudy. It's going to make everything magical and delightful, but they're not necessarily willing to make the compromises on the back end of all the processes, all the decisions, right. the enterprise architecture, all those things. Are not- You're still handing me a Windows Server 2003 box. Yeah. Like, well, on, right, no. right, right, I mean, right. How many times do I have to turn that down? Absolutely. Right. Now, you guys you guys do some very cool stuff up in Seattle. You, you open the uh, CenturyLink Labs sort of innovation center. Um, right. You guys have a – like, whenever I, you and I talk, you're always like – the one thing people don't know about CenturyLink is we have this enormous footprint. We have this, you know, humongous network. We have, I mean, I was out on the beach in North Carolina. I saw one of your, yeah. I saw one of your buildings with a sign, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's the first time I've seen one. Do you guys ever see that? Because the events you guys throw there and, like, some of the podcasts that Alex will do out of yeah. there and stuff, right. very cool. Very and so, I mean, they're very kind of forward, forward thinking. Do you guys ever see yourself? I mean, you're in Indianapolis. Whenever Indie VMUG is there, it's 400 people. When we're in Raleigh, yeah. there's stuff. There's stuff. And do you guys ever see doing a a remote version of that to, to get the footprint out, to get in front of people, to get the less Seattle Bay Area kind of thought process out, out of the world? Or is that not on the roadmap at all or not? It's just too I mean, complicated it's, to do. It's, I think it's an, it's an idea for us, like getting, like we have to, I think, get our field turned in the right direction so people understand that we provide, like I walked into a customer, I think it was, yesterday uh, a very very large like probably fortune 50 and they said like we were talking to the guy who makes enterprise architecture decisions around data centers and he didn't even know that we had data centers like yeah. he, he thought we were a phone company still and you know so there's I mean, awareness more i mean panamax yeah. comes out and the, the most damning faint praise is wow this comes from a telco like, yes <laughs> i know do you realize yes that we're the second largest colo provider or half a million miles of network but that we have a cloud and 13 data centers i think we are I think doing we'll, crazy stuff you know, it's hard we'll, to be it's hard yeah. to be the software arm of a heart of a sort of hardware centric that's lo- an 85 year old company yeah yeah so i mean i think right. i think it's it's an interesting idea i think we probably will but again, it's. I think honestly, we're early days. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the appetite for us doing CenturyLink doing disruptive things. What two weeks ago we bought a database as a service company, Orchestrate. Yeah, that is not a traditional telco move, right? I mean, right. even buying Tier Three, buying Savvis, buying Data Gardens for DR as a service. I, I appreciate the companies trying to mess with the market. Yeah, and saying we're just not willing to sit on an eighteen billion dollar yeah. annual revenue, and we're a great telco provider. We think the future is different stuff, and let's go. Let's go see what happens. I appreciate yeah. that. It's more fun to do that than just. Well, and you guys are. I mean, I, I think I said like when you when you when you guys bought AppFog around the same time. I think it's a Navisite bought some other. And there's this sort of I can't, I can't remember who they bought because I don't think anything happens. But it was this sort of like oh the telcos are going to go buy a software company because they right. can't figure out what to do. Yeah, you guys have bought very smart companies and you've kept the people and around and you've integrated them and like you said orchestrate. I was listening to to uh, to that guy talk and I mean there's an opportunity there around mobile apps and there's an opportunity around big data and you, but you've got to 
explain APIs to people who think about dial tone and phone numbers and bandwidth and, and other right. things like that. So, I mean, yeah. going to an enterprise and talking about graph databases, that is not an entry-level conversation. No. It's, you know, <laughs> and that's what we see is that for us, at least we get to have some fun conversations and saying, I don't want to just talk to your network manager anymore. Let's talk to your chief architect, your CEO. Your, right. Let's have a brown bag with your devs and talk about what it means to do IoT stuff. That, that's and it's actually happening. That's right. that's the rewarding part. I don't think we would all stick around if we didn't see those conversations getting to the right people. I think it's an absolute fallacy that telco people can't shift and start to, to have these conversations. Um, it probably, you know, back when we were at EMC, it was probably, you know, fallacy thinking the field couldn't necessarily morph around. But it right just it takes, it takes time, right? Yeah, right. And you, you have to have committed individuals. But I have seen a lot of, uh, a lot of committed people who kind of jumped, jumped into to it full you know, whole hog, and it's been exciting. Yep. So, real quick walk away, then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up because uh, you guys got things to do. So, the stuff that got announced around Cloud Foundry, you guys can do it both on prem and sort of off prem. I mean, people can can sort of realize the reality of you know, build an app in one place; it'll it'll run in both places. Yeah, so with Pivotal CF, being able to take that whole Pivotal Cloud Foundry suite, which is pretty awesome stuff, and use Bosch and use an OpenStack API to push that into our virtualizations, a kind of virtual private cloud, is great. You know, yep. you, you want to use that tool set, you want to be able to push that, but maybe I want to start in public. Maybe I want to pay, you know, a few cents per gig per hour to run my Node.js app public as an API gateway, and if that's cool, I'll move that into my internal path. So yeah. not making someone jump in one or the other entirely we think it's a great way to get into this versus saying I'm going to go commit hundreds of thousands of dollars to private paths. I hope it works. No, yeah. maybe you can try this bad boy with public and then move your apps without any sort of refactoring. Yeah. That's kind of a killer scenario. No, it's, I mean, it's that, that way you guys can walk in and go, if you don't know exactly where you want to be right now, you can experiment right. and see and, and yeah. adjust. Reduce so your risk. powerful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. All right, so I, we're out of time for this week. Well, actually, for today, because <laughs> we're recording the next one in... Uh, four minutes um <laughs> but uh you, yeah i guess kind of quick programming note that we didn't talk to at the beginning of the show since we are going to be recording a bunch today and tomorrow we're probably going to instead of just dumping them all in the feed um we're either going to release one or two a week for the next couple of weeks we might look into like soundcloud or you know some other alternate forms so kind of details on how these get out and when they get out you know will be uh coming but we're not going to blast the feed with you know 10 shows and so where's where's the best days. place to stalk you guys online and uh, find out about the cool yeah. stuff you're doing uh, I'm Ed Sai on Twitter, E-D-S-A-I, and uh, Speaking in Tech is the the other other home for me. Yeah. I was just going to say, watch Amy take over, like, Speaking in Tech. <laughs> again, once again. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at rsaroder and also saroder.com and centurylinkcloud.com. We actually try to have a, a product site that's about product, not marketing. So. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. Well, guys, thanks for coming on, and uh, look forward to seeing the stuff you guys are building. It's very, very cool how it's coming together. So. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank All right. Thank you. Thank you.